Join with me in prayer one more time. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. So I pray that you fill us all with your Holy Spirit. Open your word up to us even as we open up our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, if you don't count all the Sunday school classes and all the small group teachings and seminars and all the side teachings and stuff that I've done over the years and you just count the stuff where I get up like on a podium with a microphone and give messages like this, today is the 900th sermon that I've given since coming to First Covenant. <laughs> Which makes this special. But you know what that tells me? It tells me if I hadn't taken those silly sabbaticals, I could have hit 1,000 by the time I get to the 20th anniversary next June. So that's just <laughs> bad planning on my part. And I was sitting there going, is there any way I could, I don't know, stick a few more? No, it's not. So we're not going to get to 1,000 by that. But it did make me stop and think about the, this, this concept of legacy, this concept of what happens after 900 sermons. I mean, on one level, it's, it has become this constant drone in the back of your skulls. I'm aware of that. But on another level, I'm hoping that, pardon me? A good drone. A good, a good drone in the back. But I, mean, I really am hoping that on one level, though, it's, it, it, there's, there's stuff that, that sinks in over time. There's something to be said for longevity in ministry. And I, I totally get, I do totally get why churches like uh, the Methodist Church encourage pastors to, and churches to move around like every five years so that you don't get a dynasty from a given pastor or, or you don't get stagnation in a ministry. I do understand that. But there's something to be said for, for the idea of, of trying to have the same truth for an extended period of time. Um, I'm reminded that one of the better uh, word pictures of what it means to, to live in obedience to God is a long walk in the same direction. And we don't tend to think of it that way. We tend to think of it as a sprint. We tend to think of it as dodging through this hoop or ducking through you know, that dart or jumping over this hurdle. We love to think of the incidental moments um, because that's, that's what we do. When, I, when you think about the, the, the passage of time, you go, well, that was between this moment and that moment. You think in terms of punctiliar moments. But obedience is less about the everyday punctiliar moment where you did that obedient thing and more about the extended life of obedience where your heart lives in this sense of obedience over a prolonged period of time, a long walk in the same direction. So today I wanted to look at one last um, lesson from the book of Joshua and look at his last his last message to Israel. If you want to go with me to Joshua chapter 23, let's look at this. And I want to look at where he's saying, you know what? I, I have maybe one last chance to get something across to you. But I've been, I've been with you guys for years and years and years. I was with you before we wandered in the desert for 40 years. I've been with you for generations. But in Joshua chapter 23, verse 1, he says, after a long time has passed, after they've conquered Canaan, after they've divvied up the territories, after a long time has passed and Yahweh had given Israel rest from their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. Because that's Bible talk, right? You don't just say, I'm old. You say, I'm old and well advanced in years. And then you say, I'm old and well advanced. No. It's not just Bible talk. He's, he's saying, you know, I've, 
I'm not just, well, I'm getting on in years. It's like, no, guys, I'm, I'm elderly and I'm, I'm not going to be around for much longer. I am literally getting my affairs in order, guys. I, I, I plan to, to be dead soon. And then I'm going to say this again. I'm old and well advanced in years. Let me clarify here again that he's saying, I'm, I'm not going to be around for much longer. I don't have a lot of time left. And so in getting my affairs in order, I have this to say to you, which is a wonderful way to make you go, oh, maybe we should pay attention, which technically we should always be doing. But when somebody goes, no, 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 seriously, this is probably the last time I'm going to be talking to you. You yourselves have seen everything Yahweh your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It is Yahweh your God who fought for you, which again, you might go, okay, so Bible talk. No, he's talked about God. He's talked about Yahweh before. But what, something like 10 times in 14 verses, he uses the phrase, Yahweh, your God, in rapid succession, which is part of why I'm, I'm, I'm clarifying that that's not just Lord in your Bibles, that's Yahweh. Why is he saying that? Why is that significant? He's not just saying, you guys have conquered these nations. He's not just saying, well, a God went with you. He's not just saying, a God fought for you. He's not just saying a God fought for you and his name is Yahweh. He's saying, that's your God. You are in relationship with him and he is the one who has been fighting. You yourselves have seen this, right? Now, if this is your last sermon after generation, two generations of leadership and you start by going, no, no, seriously, Yahweh, your God, has fought for you. You've seen this. What are you trying to get across? What are you concerned that they remember? If you have to repeatedly say, no, 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 Yahweh is your God. You have to remember this. I don't know. Maybe let's look and see. But is he, is he concerned that they might forget Yahweh? Is he concerned they might forget that he's their God? Is, is he concerned they might forget what he's done for them? You've seen You've seen everything he's done. It was Yahweh, your God, who fought for you. Remember how I allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, all the land and all the nations that remain, the nations I conquered, between Jordan and the great sea to the west. i got to stop there because you could get lost. Don't sit there and go, oh, so Joshua's taking credit away from God? No, I mean, he's talking about God, he talks about this, and then talks about God. He's bracketing it with God doing all the heavy lifting. So the fact that he's going, I'm the one that did this, is not him self-aggrandizing. It's him saying, I'm the human leader that was doing this and leading you, and I'm going to die, leaving just you guys. So you, you, you have to pick up this ball. You, I'm not going to be, I'm the one that did this, and I'm not going to be the one carrying this anymore. But Yahweh is the one who's doing all the fighting. He's doing all the heavy lifting. Look at what he says. He says, you've seen everything Yahweh your God has done in all these nations. It was Yahweh your God who fought for you. Remember how I allotted you as an inheritance for your tribes, all the lands of the nations. Well, it was Yahweh himself, Yahweh your God himself, who will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as Yahweh your God promised you, back with Abraham. God is doing all the heavy lifting to get you where you are. And I'll say this to you guys. God has done all the heavy lifting to get you where you are. It's not just your 
ability. It's not just your wisdom. God has done all this. And he's going to do all the heavy fighting to keep you in a healthy place. That doesn't mean you don't have responsibilities. It doesn't mean we're not part of the process. It's God's spirit that's doing the leading, God's power that's doing the changing, and it's our willingness to be changed that matters. It's our willingness to let God work in us. God's doing all the heavy lifting. He's like, all I need you to do is be in step. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Be used by me. Ultimately, honor me. That's what I'm asking you to do. Live in a way that actually honors me. And I'm doing all the heavy lifting. So what is he asking of them? Joshua continues, he said, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that's written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Isn't that where we started with the book of Joshua? Isn't that what he said the whole time, what God has been saying the whole time? And here in his last thing, he's like, just two things. Be strong and courageous and make sure that you keep meditating on the word of God and actually do what it says. Just just keep doing those two things. Isn't that what he said at the very get-go? And he's repeated to say it, and now he's saying it one more time. Guys, just do what you know you're supposed to be doing. I say that because sometimes... Sometimes it's hard for us to discern what we're supposed to do in a given situation. It can be. Can't it? It can be hard to know what should I have done here. But let's be honest. Sometimes the hardest part is not discerning what actually honors God in a given situation. Sometimes the hardest part is walking every day a long walk in the same direction and continuing to do what you know you're supposed to be doing. It's like, I know I shouldn't I know I shouldn't uh, kick you in the shins. And you go, so you never kick anybody in the shins? No, every once in a while I kick people in the shins. They kick me first. You go, so the problem isn't discerning what is the right thing to do. The problem is you just didn't do it. Yeah. I know I shouldn't respond in kind. Did you? Yes, I did. I know that I should be actively encouraging and actively edifying. Were you? No. I know I should be an ambassador for the kingdom. Did that person need an ambassador? Yes. Were you? No. Did it take discernment? No. What did it take? Obedience. I know. I could feel like I'm beating you guys over the head. You go, yeah, I know all this. I know. That's my point. That's Joshua's point. You guys know all this. Let me encourage you to do it. And I'm encouraging myself too because I'm as bad at this as anybody of going, oh, I knew what I was supposed to do. I just didn't do it. Because I was tired, or I was frustrated, or I had a cold, or I was, I was focusing on something else at the time. But the trick is, the trick is to live like you're committing to that long walk in the same direction. Don't just apply this sermon today, or this sermon this week on account of it's Thanksgiving week. But all 900 sermons all the time. And that might sound like a daunting task. How many, how, how many meals have you eaten in your life? Too many, all right. Gobs of meals, right? And you should digest all of them. You go, all at once? Today, since you drew all my attention to it? No. You should never eat all of your meals of your life all at once. You shouldn't sit there and go, oh man, I haven't been eating for a while. I should wolf down 17 meals. No. Just like eating, when you're listening to a sermon, when you're doing a Bible study, when you're having a devotional, when you're interacting with somebody and you're 
whether with the Lord in prayer or with another brother and sister, and, and God lays something in your heart, digest that, right? Apply that. And that's not just something you go, and it becomes a part of you for a minute and a half. No, that should become a part of you. And then the next meal should become a part of you. And then the next meal should become a part of you. Every part of you is built of all the meals you've ever had. Right? It's what my bones are made out of. That's what my blood is made out of. It's all the meals that I've had and I've digested over the years. I've made that part of me. And I continue making that part of me. Let me encourage you to do that with God's truth. You know and you've heard it. Don't just taste it. Digest it. Digest it. So for instance, Joshua says, for instance, don't associate with those nations that remain among you. And by that, he doesn't mean you should shun them and, and they don't exist or anything. Like, he's getting there going, how many people in, in Joshua have they already pulled into their nation? How many non-Hebrews have we already seen in this book where he's like, you could be part of us and you could be part of us and you could be part of us? He's not just saying, oh, anybody that isn't us is evil and we hate them. He's going, no, I just don't want you to become them. We want them to become us. Hey, Rahab, become us. Caleb, become us. We want you to be part of the people of God. We want you to become us and so it becomes natural to be us. So don't invoke the names of their gods. Don't swear by them. You mustn't serve them or bow down to them. But you must hold to the, fast to the Yahweh your God. Which suggests why he keeps saying Yahweh your God. I'm concerned that you guys might very well say Yahweh and Marduk, Yahweh and Baal, Yahweh and Asherah. No, Yahweh himself has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you, not because you're so brilliant or so good or so strategically valuable or because you have so many resources or you're so numerous or because of you. It's because of his strength. I mean, one of you guys routes a thousand. Why? Because Yahweh, your God, fights for you. Not just you're infused with divine energy, but no, Yahweh, your God, is doing the heavy lifting. In Judges, Gideon thinks he's too small to fight. Samson thinks he's too strong to ever lose a fight. And they're both wrong. Because the fight was never about Gideon. The fight was never about Samson. It was always about God's ability to fight. So let me ask you, are you too little to take a stand for doing what's right? Are you too weak? Or are you too solid, too strong that you could ever lose that fight? I don't know, you, ever, you ever deal with those twin problems in life? You ever feel like, oh, I'm just, I don't have it in me to, or, well, I'm doing pretty good. There are Bible verses about those, aren't there? The battle belongs to the Lord. And be careful lest you fall. There's Bible verses about this. And it's so easy for us to sit there and think, uh, my church is too small, or my church is so big, or I'm so good, or I'm not good enough. It's so easy to go to wrong-headed places when the key of this is ultimately to go, wait, it's about God, my God, my relationship with Yahweh. My relationship with not just a higher power, but with this God, the God who actually is. 
that relationship that keeps me going, that relationship that brings me success, that relationship that makes me healthy, that relationship that I want to honor in what I'm doing. That's the key thing. That's what I want to remember. That's what's going to get me through, well, everything. And I want to have that long walk in the same direction because there are punctiliar moments in life where I have to really apply that. But if I want to really apply that in those moments, the easiest way for me to have the muscle memory to do that is to live in that all the time, to have a mindset of that all the time, not just have to try to pull that out of mothballs when I need it. Because he says, it's interesting, I love this. He says, so be very careful to love Yahweh your God, not just leave in him, not just obey him, but have a relationship with him. Connect with him. Love him. Let your hearts be changed. Because, guys, if you turn away and a liar, it's always sad. And he goes, this is good, this is good, but if you turn away and you ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, if you intermarry with them, associate with them, if, if you become them, instead of being the people of God, you begin to reflect the world so much that you become the world. This is what Joshua was afraid of. Don't become them. You've got to be in the world, but not of the world. It's like Jesus said in, in John, he sent us into this world so that we can shine God's light within the world to draw them to be part of us, to be a light on the hill to draw them to us. Not because we're so good, but because God's so good. If you turn away... If you do that, if you intermarry with them, you associate with them, if you become them, then you may be sure that God, Yahweh, your God, will no longer drive out these nations before you. Well, why not? Because you are those nations now. He's not going to conquer them on your behalf. Why? Because you are them. You become them. Instead, they're going to become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs, Thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which, by the way, Yahweh, your God, gave to you. It's just that simple. It's physics. Your God is Yahweh, and he is faithful, and he is faithful to, to, to defeat your enemies. And he is just as faithful to use your enemies to defeat you if that's what he needs to do as a good father, to draw you back to him. That's what he needs to do. I love that Joshua's like, I got maybe one last chance to talk to you guys. Let me clarify. God is faithful. And everybody goes, yeah. He's like, yeah. Yes. I want you to say yeah. But I don't want you to say yeah because he always has been and so we can do anything we want. I mean, can we do that in America? Obviously, we're a godly nation. Are we? Really? There's some people who would argue, I'm not sure we ever were, but we were trying. Other people go, ah, I don't know that we were trying. Other people go, whatever we were or not, I'm not sure that we are now. But whatever the case, I go back to, can we listen to what Joshua is telling to the people of God who are currently following God and look at where we're sitting right now and go, we're fine. If he's saying, you guys are currently following God, be really careful that you don't just reflect the world around you and say, but since we're from Israel, we're fine. Can we say, uh, since we're sitting here in America, we're fine. Since we're sitting in a church building, we're fine. Ah, we're fine. Can you? 
I don't want to be on the wrong side of God. I, I want to digest God's truth until it becomes part of me. I don't want to reflect the world around me until I become part of it. I don't know if you want to use Pauline verbiage. I want to be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of my mind. I don't want to be conformed, beaten from the outside in, in the shape of the world around me. How many times does the Bible have to explain this to me before I go, <laughs> I get it. No. This is what Joshua's been saying for years. This is what he's been living out. This is what he's been living out since before they were in the desert, right? He's like, oh, I think we can take the people here. I think God is giving us this land. I think we can trust God. Just be strong and courageous. Do what God is telling us to do. He's been saying that for decades. And he's like, now, guys, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. I'm about to die. I'm not going to be around. And, and you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises Yahweh your God gave you has failed. Every single promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed, right? Can you totally believe that God will absolutely do what he promises? Can you? Everything. All those good promises. He says, all right, then you have to believe He's also faithful to do all the things you don't want him to do that he promises he'll do. Right? Just every good promise of Yahweh your God will come true and has come true, so Yahweh is going to bring on you all the bad stuff, all the evil that he's threatened until he's destroyed you from this good land he's given you. Which is a confusing translation. It suggests that God does evil and that's not what the word is getting at here. It's more like, okay, do, do, you, do you believe that God does all the pleasant things that he's promised? Oh yeah. What about the unpleasant things? No. Yeah. He's just as faithful to do that. All that. The whole point of covenant is, if you do A, I will do B. If you don't do A, I will do C. You go, so you're all over the B? I don't know. Are you all over the A? Do A, and I'll do B. Don't do A, and I'm going to do C. Right, I didn't do A, but you're still going to do B, right? Because you promised B. The nature of covenant. God says, I am just as faithful to do B or C. I am completely faithful. I will fulfill the covenant. Like a good father. I'm going to give you a cookie. Or I'm going to ground you. It all depends on what you do here. It's on you. Not that God is dependent on us, but he's like, you are creating the situation here wherein my faithfulness is going to pivot one way or the other. So Joshua says, guys, I'm telling you, if you violate the covenant of Yahweh, your God, and I mean, he's still your God, and he loves you, which he commanded you. If you go and serve other gods and bow down to them, even though Yahweh is your God, then Yahweh's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he's given you. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to meditate on God's word and actually do what it says. Do not be strong and courageous if you don't meditate on God's word and do what it says. You shouldn't be confident. You shouldn't be courageous if you are disregarding the source of your confidence and strength. Right? If you are disregarding God, you should probably be wary. If you're following God, 
You don't have to be. That's the beauty of it. So I want you to stop and think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Canaan is given to God's people. Be God's people and Canaan is yours. It's that simple. As I creep up on 20 years here and 900 sermons, as I get, well, I'm starting to go gray and I'm starting to lose my hair. And as I do, I can hear Joshua telling him, guys, your confidence cannot be in the fact that you're sitting here. It cannot be in the confidence of this place. It can't be in the confidence that I'm going to say things that are right. I, I mess things up on a regular basis. I'm trying, but I'm still just a human being. Your confidence can't be in any of that stuff. Because one of these days, those pews are going to rot. One of these days, I'm going to get hit by a Buick. One of these days, I'm not going to be around. And you guys are still going to be here. You have to make sure that you know who you're really following. And I pray that anything good that I say still resonates a year or ten years after I'm dead. I hope that the last sermon I give doesn't end at the end of my last sermon. I'm hoping that it still makes sense. So Joshua then assembles all the tribes of Israel at Shechem at the beginning of chapter 24. He summoned the elders and the leaders and the judges and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God, which sounds like the same thing he did at the beginning of chapter 23, except here, Joshua says to all the people, this is what Yahweh, the God of Israel, says. Because chapter 23 is all Joshua's thoughts. It's his last address to them. It's what he thought was really important. He's like, I need you to hear what I'm saying. I don't want you to ever go on autopilot. I want you to make sure that every day you're actively living this stuff out, a long walk in the same direction. But here in chapter 24, he's like, nope, this is God talking to you. This is me just being a conduit of God's truth. And I'm going to give you a lit review of all the things that God has done in your lives. Do you remember what Yahweh, the God of Israel, has done? Do you remember when you lived beyond the river, beyond the Euphrates? Remember when you worshipped other gods and God took Abraham and had a relationship with him? you remember when he was faithful, when he gave him Isaac, when he was faithful, when... Abraham laughed about getting a son. Do you remember that? Do you remember when he gave him Jacob and Esau? Jacob who came out of the womb a con man. And God was still able to be faithful and use him. Do you remember when um, there was problem with Jacob's family and they, they, they sold one of the sons to slavery and God was faithful and used that to save the people later on? Do you remember when he sent Moses and Aaron to, to, to save you from bondage in Egypt? Do you remember when God was faithful like that? Do you remember when God brought your forefathers out of Egypt and saved them at the Red Sea? Do you remember that faithfulness? Do you remember when you saw in your own eyes what he did to the Egyptians and then you lived in the desert for a long time because of your faithlessness? I brought you to Canaan. The reason you didn't go in wasn't because of my faithlessness. It was because of yours. Do you remember when I fought for you, when I destroyed the people before you, when, I, when, when Balaam was hired to curse you and I turned every curse back into blessings? Do you remember when I delivered you? Do you remember when you crossed over the Jordan and I gave you Jericho? Do you remember when I gave you these lands? Do you remember when you, I even sent hornets ahead of you to, 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 to badger the people ahead of you and, and to take them down? I did all these things. You, and I love this verse, in, in verse 12, you didn't do it with your own sword. Do you remember that? 
Do you remember that? Don't forget Gideon who thinks you're too small to do anything. Don't forget that Samson who thinks it's all about your strength. You didn't do it with your own sword. I gave you a land in which you didn't toil, cities that you didn't build. You live in them, you eat from vineyards and olive groves you didn't plant. This whole time, it's been me, it's been God. It's been Yahweh, your God, handing this to you and being faithful. So now Joshua says, fear Yahweh, serve him with all your faithfulness. Throw away any of the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt. Serve Yahweh. It's what you've been doing, but you need to keep doing it. You need to keep walking in the same direction. You can never just take a seat and say, I think I've come along far enough. I think I've made it far enough down the road. And you go, but that's not the point. The point isn't how far down the road you got. The point is that you are walking down the road. If you go, I guess I'm done, you're no longer doing the point. So just keep moving. Keep walking. Keep growing. Keep changing. Do a long walk in the same direction. Don't reflect back the world. Digest God. Throw away all those gods. But if serving Yahweh seems undesirable for you, okay, then choose for yourselves right now, this day, who you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land in whose land you were living. But as for me and my household, Joshua says, we will serve Yahweh. Classic Joshua quote. You're, you're going to serve some god. There will be a god that forms the crux point in your life, the center of everything. And you might sit there and go, no, in America we're very atheistic. Yeah. There is something that will be the most important thing in your life. Sometimes it will be something really negative, like, yeah, oh, well, um, my addiction has become the most important thing in my life, or gaining money, or gaining political power, or gaining authority over others, or gaining accolades. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, no, I need to be able to be in a position to have political power so that I can change things for good. Or I, I, my focus is on my children. You know, all those are good things. Something will be the central thing in your life that everything else revolves around. That is what you worship, what you ascribe worth to. Joshua says, choose right now and be honest to yourself what that is. As for me and my household, it's Yahweh. And everything else pivots around that. And I have children I love. I have a land that I conquered. I have people that I've been trying to lead. Everything in my household, we are consciously making a choice that that revolves around Yahweh. He's my God. Choose today who you're going to serve. Because... You need to be honest because you will serve something. And if you are not conscious about it, it will not be God. And if you are not thinking about it, you may even still think that you are putting God first and foremost. Just think about it. On some levels, this is a call to Jesus moment. This is a revival moment where we all should be held to count and say, where is your life at? What are you putting in the first foremost part? What's sitting on the throne of your life? Rip that down right now and put God there. And on some level, if I were a better preacher, I'd go, yes, now come here and pray before the altar of God and give your heart to the Lord. And sure, yep, go ahead. And I'll pray with you if you do. That's great. Come on up. But 
I don't want you to do that right now. I want you to do that right now and later on today. And I want you to do it tomorrow. And I want you to do it on Tuesday. And I want you to do it Wednesday evening. And I want you to do it while you're eating turkey on Thursday. And I want you to do it every day in a long walk in the same direction. I want you to have that punctiliar moment because at some point you do have to, like Joshua said, choose, make a choice. What are you putting first and foremost in your life? But do that every day. Make a choice and live that out. And if you do make that God, then every day that you do that, it's more natural for him to be the center. You don't have to necessarily consciously think about that every day because he is naturally the center of things. I know that because the flip side is also true. That every day that you don't think that through, something else may be, and that becomes the thing that you just slide into. So every day, do something dramatic, but also do the seemingly mundane and crucially important thing of breathing in and breathing out. Do the seemingly mundane but crucially important thing of drinking liquids, eating food, getting nourishment. I know it's not as dramatic as massively cool things, but it's the stuff that keeps you alive. Do that. Do the stuff that keeps you alive spiritually. Be in relationship with the people you love. And may that first and foremost relationship be that you love Yahweh, your God. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much that you... You are such a better God than we are people of God. But that you love us, and you love us every day, every second of every day. So I pray, Lord, help us today to decide what our priority is going to be. And I pray, help us later on today to decide, and tomorrow to decide, and every day to live out that decision. And I pray in all this, we do not out of guilt, not even out of obligation, because we genuinely want to be the people that you've sculpted us to be and to honor the God that created us. Help us to be in relationship with you and place you first and foremost. In Jesus' name, amen.